The scripture reading for today is Matthew 5:38-48. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give him your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing for others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This has been the reading of the Word of God. Is it me, or is this sermon that Jesus is giving on the mount the hillside or the slope is it is it getting more and more demanding and more and more difficult is Jesus insisting on more and more from us as this is going I mean three weeks ago it started with you know we're blessed if we're mourning and we're we're blessed if we're meek and we're blessed if we're persecuted that you know that was a little difficult to take with that and then uh you know last week it was uh you know all about you couldn't not only couldn't you murder but you're not even supposed to be angry at people and don't even think about looking at another woman right it's getting more and more demanding and then this week's text seems to be in the zone of you got to be kidding me Right? It seems to be getting more and more difficult and more and more outside of the realm of what seems possible. Here Jesus is coming to us with, uh, with these old laws. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I say to you, love your enemies or, and love those... And Jesus is pushing us outside of what's even legal to go beyond even what society has brought to us. And it seems like a big challenge. And we look at these and, you know, Christians throughout the centuries have always found ways to kind of rationalize these these commands a little bit. There's a lot of ways to kind of get around what Jesus is trying to say to us here. For example, uh, some have said, well, you know, this is just, this is all about kind of spiritual things. It's not a, it's not a real world example. This is about kind of your, you, what you're doing kind of spiritually 
spiritually give away your cloak. Uh, but not, you know, not literally. Jesus doesn't mean this literally. It's more of a figurative, spiritual thing. I don't know how that works. I don't know how you spiritually give to someone uh, your cloak. But <laughs> that's, that's one of the rationales we've used. Another rationale is that, well, you know, Jesus puts this impossible expectation out there that nobody ever can do. There's just no chance of it. And in that way, we realize just how, you know, uh, how needy we are of God's strength, that, that we just do not have the capacity, just how frail and how inadequate humanity is to really meet the demands of our own discipleship. And therefore, you know, we have to, to turn to God. Okay, well, it's good rationale. So, you know, I can't give away my cloak. I just don't have it, you know. My humanity won't allow me to, to do that. Uh, I just, you know, I can't love my enemies. I'm, I'm just too human for that. Well, I'm only human, right? We all, we all have heard that. Another rationale is that, well, Jesus was, you know, speaking to an oppressed people who really don't have any control over their lives. And when you can't change the system of which you are... Uh, whose thumb you are under when your life is not your own, sometimes you can confound that as, as, as it being kind of a, a passive resistance thing. If a Roman soldier makes you go a mile, uh, make, go two miles, and that'll chap him off, you know, as if in a defiant way. And, and, and so it's, it's really kind of about a passive resistance thing to the, to the Roman domination system here. But you know what? At the end of the day, as I look through Matthew and I'm reading what Matthew has for us about who Jesus is and what Jesus is about, I can't get past the fact that I think Jesus actually meant what he said. (laughs) I think Jesus is insisting here that we do exactly what Jesus was asking us to do. That, That we love our enemies and we pray for those who persecute us and we give to those who are in need. And we sacrifice. And we actually do what the Bible says <laughs> we should do. And this seems, this seems so unrealistic. And in fact, it seems like it's not, it's not very wise for us to do I mean, does Jesus really just want us to be a floor mat? You know, for everyone to just walk all over. And I, I would say, no, I don't, I don't think that's true. Cause I, I would say this. I think, I think there's a, a difference between, uh, uh, you know, making things equitable and being everyone's doormat. For, you know, someone, someone comes to me and, and is in need and is begging and wants something from me. Uh, I think it's incumbent on me to give that person help. Now, does that mean I give them money? Maybe not. <laughs> you know, In fact, oftentimes, I think in our particular system and the way the world is right now, giving folks money uh, is not the best solution to their problems, right? So, so what is my obligation? Is to, I mean, you can give time, you can give an ear, you can give dignity, you can really spend some time, and I, this isn't easy, you can really spend some time trying to figure out what will help, right? You can give of your relationship. In fact, quite frankly, those are harder things to give and yet more significant 
than the couple of bucks you give to someone out on the parking lot so that you feel better and they've accomplished what they were after too. Uh, and so give to those who beg, absolutely. But does that mean I, I go into the poor house helping the poor or whatever? I don't know. But I think we're obligated to respond out of our faith to those who are in need. And there's a difference between retribution and justice. There's a difference between revenge and justice. And quite frankly, codified in the law that Jesus is quoting is revenge. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye. But Jesus offers us some wisdom because, quite frankly, if, if I lose an eye and I take your eye and you take my eye and I take your eye, pretty soon everyone's blind. And I don't think that's the world God was hoping for, right? An eye for an eye leads to a world full of blind people. Jesus says that, that isn't going to work anymore. That doesn't mean that we don't stop fighting for justice. That doesn't mean that we don't stand up for what's right. That doesn't mean that we don't give voice to the voiceless and insist on a world that treats people equitably and fairly. There's a difference between seeking out retribution and seeking out justice. And it begs, how do we love those who want ill for us is a very difficult, difficult thing. And in fact, but it doesn't mean that we allow them or the world to continue to act unjustly or abusively. In fact, quite frankly, in fact, and particularly if there is anyone who is a victim of abuse or has been, hear this, probably the most loving thing you can do, the most reconciling thing you can do is to insist that someone who is abusing you stop doing it and in fact get away from that relationship and what that enables that person to stop abusing you. What a loving thing to do is to draw that line and to make that boundary solid and to protect yourself and it really protects the abuser from abusing you further. Then the ball's in their court, right? So the loving thing to do there is to take care of yourself and get away from that and stop the abuse. Amen? And that's the most loving thing you can do. You know, at the end of the day, Jesus is just challenging us to do something that's very counterintuitive. Love my enemies. Love people who do ill toward me, who hate me, who want ugliness for me. Or even if it's not me, just those ugly, nasty, foul, evil people out there. You want me to love them? How do we do that? How do we even begin to do that? In 1998, a young man named Jeremy Strohmeyer was in Las Vegas with his buddy David Cash. And Jeremy lured 
a seven-year-old African-American girl into the bathroom where he raped and killed her. David Cash walked in on it. Maybe you've heard, maybe you heard this story back in the 90s and turned around and left. Didn't stop his friend. Now, Jeremy Strohmeyer's in jail and will be for the rest of his life for that act. David Cash, because there was no Good Samaritan law in Nevada at the time, there were no charges ever leveled against him. As far as the law was concerned, he didn't do anything wrong. And, you know, to make matters worse, David Cash, when confronted by the media and everything, went on 60 Minutes and basically said, hey, I don't know this little girl. What do I, you know, why am I going to stick my neck out for someone else? I only know Jeremy. I only took, I look out for myself. I'm not going to, I'm not going to weep over someone I don't know. He was basically a jerk. I mean, more than that. Words that I'm not supposed to use. Uh, went on television almost to brag about it. Well, in 1999, uh, he applied and was accepted to the engineering program at UC Berkeley, which prompted a lot of protests, which isn't unusual in Berkeley, but this <laughs> uh, on that day it was about this kid, David Cash. Uh, In 1999, I was the youth pastor at Alameda First Baptist Church and going to seminary in Berkeley at the American Baptist Seminary of the West. And my youth group and I were looking at this text today. And I posed the question, how do we love, how do we respond to someone like David Cash? What is our Christian obligation here? What is our Christian response here? And I pose the scenario. Suppose you're walking down the street in Berkeley. You come upon this guy whose face has been all over the news. What do you do? Well, my youth group, particularly because half the youth group was African American, they were really struggling with this. I mean, they, they, we wrestled with this question and we talked it through and we talked about a lot of different things and And ultimately what my youth group came up with was that there is no way with our own strength and our own capacity, there was just no way we would be able to respond in some Christian way without some kind of spiritual intervention on the part of God. And so what we concluded to do was to pray for David Cash to pray for our own ability to love even him. And we, that day in our youth group, we prayed for one of the most repugnant human beings on the face of the earth. Held him in prayer. He lifted him up many times after that too. Well, a couple of weeks later, it happened. I'm walking down the street in Berkeley on my way to class. Here comes David Cash. Head down. 
I'm sure he's not very popular. And oddly, in Berkeley, I was, it was just him and me on the street. Like, there was no one else around. <laughs> so I could have kicked his butt. <laughs> Nobody would have known. Anyway, he passed me. I was a little stunned. I'm like... <laughs> so he passed me. And I turned around and I yelled, David! He stopped and turned around and I said, I just want you to know my youth group is praying for you. Turned around and walked. He didn't say anything. He walked away. But <laughs> this is where I think God laughs at me all the time. Like, hey, let's see how well this works, Curtis. <laughs> and quite frankly, I don't know. I don't know what effect that had on anybody. I do know this. That my youth group felt the strength of God's love that day that we prayed. And I felt the strength of God's love. And I felt the capacity within me to love people no one else could love swell up a little bit more because of that day. You know, the rationale that we are given in the text today for why Jesus wants us to go beyond, above and beyond what the world could possibly do is because that's what God does. Do this so that you can be like your Father in heaven who causes the rain to pour on the righteous and the wicked. Why does God want us to love our enemies? So that, because that's what God does. So that we can be like God's children. And then, what I think is the capper of everything Jesus is asking us to do, only through that, only through being God's children, only through prayerfully wrestling with the demands of our discipleship, only by radically asking for God's infilling of a love that can only come from God, only by doing that, being God's children, and loving our enemies and giving to those in need, only then can we accomplish what Jesus seems to be pointing at is being perfect just as our Father in heaven is perfect. What a ridiculous thing to ask that we be perfect. But I don't think Jesus is asking us to be perfect. I think Jesus is at tell, at telling us that by being God's children, emulating the kind of love that God has lavished on us, we will achieve that which God has for us. That will be perfect. Let us pray. Great and loving God, God who shows us what love looks like. God who expects us to emulate you. Follow the example given to us by your Son, Jesus Christ. We look to you for strength because we can't do it. We, we don't know how. We don't know what. We just can't. Sometimes we just can't. We can't bridge that gap. 
But we know, and we can do. Here's what we can do. God, we can look to you for that kind of strength. We can look to you for that kind of courage. We can look to you to give us what we don't possess for ourselves. No, you are faithful. Somehow, as we are able to open ourselves to you, the kingdom of God reigns. May we commit ourselves to this fully, days and years to come. Christ, we pray.